the student of the game podcast where we break down the life strategy and advice of successful individuals who are students of their own game and masters of their own craft thanks for tuning in let's get to the episode Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Student of the Game podcast. I'm Tim Stone with my co-hosts Nick Galbraith and Ian Cushing. Today we've got a special guest, Mr. Ricky Carruth. Ricky, thank you for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Good to, so, uh, I'm looking forward to the chat. Yeah, so if you've ever uh, tried to become a real estate agent or looked up tips on YouTube or cold calling on YouTube, you've probably seen Ricky's videos. I know I have. So we're super grateful to have the opportunity to dive into his story so thank you for being here man yeah no no i'm, I'm glad to be here and uh like i say i'm looking forward to seeing what you guys throw at me yeah and uh yeah. like how we, uh, we we like to start off ricky um when we had it named as the utc real estate club we really like to focus on um you know kind of your background before you kind of went to college yeah you know what you were studying and how you kind of yeah. launched that into real estate and built your mentality and mental models and um, no, really your skill size. Absolutely. I, I grew up roofing houses, right, with my father. Okay. And uh, when I graduated school, I had a football scholarship to Missouri Valley College. And so I just took it, right? It's like free school. I'm going to go. But it was 18-hour drive, and I was like 18 years old. So um, that was a little much, to be honest with you. And uh, – that first semester, I came home. Let's see what happened. I came home and then uh, I went to Faulkner State Community College. So I went to two different colleges right then, okay, first year. Then I went back to Missouri for the summer because I was like, I'm going to go back and try to play football. Okay, that didn't, I didn't really like it again. So I went to University of Alabama for a semester. And then I went to Shelton State Community College there in Tuscaloosa and got my real estate license. So the reason I did is because I failed a history class. Now, that was kind of a fork in the road, right? I could have like continued to push through and try to graduate college and do something there academically, you know, or I was like, I feel like I'm kind of just banging my head against the wall. I'm ready to get out into the real world and do real things, you know, and it's kind of like that's a tough place to be looking back. You know, it's like, man, could I have really used some knowledge of, you know, real academic business planning and comprehensive, you know, planning stuff out and, and how markets work, you know, from an academic level and stuff? Yeah, big time, you know. So there's a part of me that's like, man, you know, should I go back to college or something like that? You know, that's probably out of the question at this point. But, um, you know, I mean, some people, they go to college, they graduate and they don't use the degree at all. Right. Other people go to college and become, you know, mega with whatever they, they studied, um, you know, and then some people drop out of college like myself and go out there and build massive businesses, you know, so you just never know. It's kind of like real estate. I quit trying to figure out who what real estate agents that are coming in are going to be super successful and who isn't because, um, I've had it wrong so many times, you know, the people that I think would never sell a property come in and just crush it like 30 properties their first month and other ones that I feel like, you know, are going to come in and crush it, never sell anything. And it's just like, what's the secret hidden, you know, it factor here, you know? Um, so you just never know. Everybody's different. You got to kind of figure out what works for you. That's the biggest thing in life, you know? is is not necessarily looking and seeing oh what he has or what they have or how they did it or how he did it right and trying to like copy it but more so use it for yourself to figure out who you are and where you want to go and how you can use it to mold into your systems right and your your routines and stuff like that but it's a personal development journey is what it is you know um but no i i my thought was go to college because that's what i was supposed to do you know, learn what I'm supposed to learn. And then, um, I'll figure something out. That was my thing. I didn't even know what I was going to study. I was just kind of studying business stuff and, uh, fell that history class and said, I'm going to go try something else in life. You know what I mean? So that was kind of the thought process behind it. So got in real estate and, um, man, 
it finally knew what kind of ride that was going to be. It took me eight months to get, get to my first sale. Then the market exploded because that was in 2002 when I got in real estate. Then the market exploded and I made so much money so fast. I was so young. And um, when the market crashed, I lost everything. I was uh, sleeping on friends' couches. I uh, went back to roofing houses, worked on an oil rig. You know, and that was kind of a moment in my life that I was like, I'm really going to figure out what went wrong here. You know, so I read 100 books. I, uh, I studied the market. I watched people who were still selling real estate. You know, meanwhile, I was out of the game. Like, what are they doing? What did I not do? What am I not thinking about? So I got laid off in 2008. It kind of forced me back into real estate. And, the oil uh, rig. Yeah. 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 And then I just started crushing it because I took all that knowledge that I learned from, you know, from point A to point B and just applied and started executing and found what worked for me, which was just creating relationships with property owners, you know, at scale and uh, doing a weekly email. And uh, I still do it every, every Wednesday since 2007 and uh, just built it up, man. Before I knew it, 2014, I was selling hundred properties a year, number one remix agent in Alabama. And I've closed a hundred deals every year since. You know, so a couple of years ago, I wrote two books about my journey and started trying to help other agents, became a free coach. And um, that just blew up. And so now I'm doing my own events and. Um, yeah, I'm in a really good place. Right. So now I'm trying to help agents see the bigger picture. You know, I've 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 showed them how to build their business. I've been doing that for years now. I want to help them understand, you know, what's going on in the market, what the future is. Okay, for the industry, how they can take advantage um, of these platforms and collaboration and um, and um, really be in a, a much, much better. It's 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 incredible what's happening in the industry and the opportunities that are just sitting right there in front of everyone. And honestly, it, it's it looks like cryptocurrency, right? Most people don't understand it, so they keep an arm's length yeah. uh, from it. Right. They're just like watching it. And they're like, what is that? That's kind of what's going on in the, in the real estate industry in terms of um, the business models that are out there available to real estate agents and what and what the actual um, possibilities are. It's uh, it's really crazy. So I feel like my mission now is to help agents kind of see the bigger picture. Right. And then and be able to align with <clears> that, you know, to build some generational wealth, because like the everyday agent now can actually build generational wealth, you know, within a matter of 10 to uh, five to 10 years. Right. And when you look at like 15, 20 years, it's, it's insane. Um, and you know, this wasn't available, you know, this wasn't available when I was coming up. So, um, and most people don't understand it. So I feel like I need to really dig deep. Right. And like find myself, I'm, a, I'm running a bunch of different companies. And so I'm in this position I've never been in where I have to be more empathetic towards people, right. Mm -hmm. I'm managing people, um, I never been in that position before. And so I have to, I have to grow up, right. I have to, I have to develop myself into a leader now, right. I'm not just a real estate agent out there hustling properties and, you know, trying to make myself known on YouTube and stuff. I'm actually have people behind me dependent on me to lead by example, you know, and to enlighten them and to help them see the bigger picture and how to execute on it, you know? So that's where I'm at. That's really awesome. And uh, kind of tapping off of that, it's like, you know, when you're growing into a more like mature leadership position, um, what, are, what are some of those key things that you want to implement to make that transition? Well, I mean, time management's one, right? So, you know, I, uh, I spent a lot of time um, in the ditches, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I mean? I'm grinding out so hard, you know, spending time with new agents, answering all DMs, um, you know, just, I'm a yes, man. I'll just do anything. I'll talk to anybody. I'll help anybody, you know? And I think part of being a leader is, yeah, I'd love to help all those people, but I need to delegate that to people that I, uh, trust. Okay. And then open my time up more. See right now it's like, I, I can't breathe because mm -hmm. it's just back to back to back to back to back to back. And if I ever have a moment, there's like 15 calls I have to return. It's just back to back to back. I never can ha have a moment where I just take a step back and uh, evaluate and game plan, strategize, you know, and so, and I can't see the forest for the trees. I got to be able to take a step back and be able to see everything happening 
in the industry and in my organizations, um, you know, so I can kind of see what's working, what's not working, what this looks like, what that looks like over the next couple of years. Right. And, and what, and what do we need to do to take advantage and to be in position? You know, otherwise, if I keep on the path that I'm on, I'm, I'm not going to be able to see those opportunities or be able to round the troops up and, you know, tell them exactly what we need to do to, to take advantage. It's massive, bro. <clears throat> massive. So I think time management is a big one. And also um, kind of staying on top of every little thing going on in the industry, you know what I'm saying? Where I'm kind of the pulse of the market where, you know, I'm collecting data on what's happening with all these companies. And when, when situations come up, I already have all this data collected where now I can make a pretty intelligent decision based on all the data I've collected, you know, up to that point. Otherwise, if I'm just so busy, just doing coaching calls and listing appointments, then, you know, I have time to stay on top of the market the way I should. And then when it comes time to make those decisions, I, I don't really, I can't really make those decisions as intelligently as I would have otherwise. I want to write a third book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I want to, uh, to do certain things that I don't have time to really step back and do. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to rearrange everything in a manner where now I'm delegating more and actually leveraging the platform that I built. I'm not doing a good job of leveraging um, right this second. And that's okay because it's worked up to now, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and again, none of this has to do anything with money, right? I could, I could retire right now. I could fall asleep and, you know, just the money continues to grow like big time with everything that's happening, but that, that doesn't excite me anymore. You know what I mean? It's more so managing the, the, my organizations and making sure that the people within those organizations are set generationally, right? Like generational wealth type scenarios, as well as just the general uh, public, right? Real estate agents in general, you know, with, with what's going on in the industry. So I, I don't know, man, that's a loaded question, but yeah, I think I that's think, really cool. I, I think, I think the, the bottom line is just, just trying to stretch myself. Cause like the thing is, is I've been pretty complacent up to this point. Like I could just live off the platform and live off the following and live off the, 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 the past clients and you know, all the connections I've made. I mean, I feel like I've just kind of been floating and not really growing as a person over the past year, let's say. Right. Um, because everything's just been kind of coming so fast and falling in my lap. I haven't really had to work to find anything. I've had to work to service everything, but not to actually build, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. massively build, even though the little things that I'm doing is building. So like, I've got to stretch myself to actually go to the next level of personal development. You know what I mean? Whatever that might be, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of factors. Yeah, definitely looking deep and uh, thinking bigger picture. Yeah. What does it look like to build generational wealth as a real estate agent? And and this is not hating on anything, but I just saw someone had posted on Instagram a few minutes before this. If you sell houses, you can make a living. If you buy houses, you, you can make an empire, whatever. And it, it was just talking about uh, investing in real estate, creating that passive income, and uh, which is where you build wealth. So I, I want you to, if you would, dive into building generational wealth as an agent because it's totally possible, but it's not the typical model that you would see from you know, what we would think of right off the bat. Well, I mean, you know, that's just one part of it, you know, buying real estate. You know what I mean? What you guys have to understand is that there's, there's an entirely new game out there, right? Entirely new game to be played. Okay. And as a real estate agent, as just like a regular old agent nowadays, okay, you can actually make money using these platforms the same way Walmart makes money, Apple makes money, um, Target makes money, Quicken Loans makes money. All these companies, they actually operate on really, 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 really small margins. Mm -hmm. Okay. Every transaction they're making just a few pennies, whatever. Okay. And, you know, you, like, people on the outside, you know, if you just look at one store of Walmart, you think, how can they survive? They survive because they have so many stores and they buy so much product and they're dealing with volume. Okay. And so instead of a mom, Paul grocery store who have to mark their, their groceries up so that they can survive, 
okay, Walmart has, you know, thousands of stores and they're able to, you know, make a little bit on millions of transactions. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the same thing with Quicken Loans, you know, they, they have the cheapest rates out there. How are they able to operate like that? It's because they're closing billions of dollars in loans. Okay. They, you know, a local lender can't compete with the, with the, with the Quicken Loans. Okay. Because the local lender isn't dealing with volume. Okay. They're not playing the volume game. Okay. So when you think about making a little bitty cut off thousands and thousands of transactions, okay. Instead of, you know, without putting too much work into it. Okay. That's the key. Making a little bit on thousands of transactions with a little bit of work. Okay. Versus working really hard to sell 50 deals to make all the money. Okay. It's like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have thousands of transactions you're making a little bit of cut on or making all the money of 50 deals you worked really hard for, right? And so this is how you create real wealth is understanding these business models, whereas you can create scenarios where you're not working, but you're getting paid a little bit of cut on thousands and thousands of transactions. The regular everyday real estate agent and now in today's world can capitalize on that business model. Okay. And, um, like for example, right now, okay. The brokers that I'm with, okay. It's a platform that allows you to expand nationally immediately for no money. Okay. You, you build your own brokerage using their platform. These agents now have an incentive to go bring on more agents because they can do the same thing. Okay. Now I get paid on all these agents, little bitty piece. Okay. So I'm selling a hundred properties a year as a single agent, just crushing, crushing it, mm -hmm. right? Working really, really hard. All right. But the group that I have, which is 900 agents right now, we're closing 400 deals a, a month. So that's a hundred deals a week I'm getting paid on. So I'm getting paid a hundred deals a week, making a little bitty cut on a hundred deals a week, doing nothing except for helping the team. And all. I mean, I could go to sleep right now if I wanted to, but I want to continue to grow and continue to build synergy and unite everyone and continue to blow up. Mm -hmm. Right. But a hundred deals a week with no liability, no expenses versus well, I'm a hundred deals a week versus a hundred deals a year. I'm working really hard for, right. That's the scenario I'm in right now. And, and, and I can, I can't scale the hundred deals anymore. I've tapped out of my market, right. I could probably go to 150, maybe 200. That's going to be it. But over here with these platforms that are in place, this model, this new business model, you can, I can scale that to 2,000 deals a week, right? I could scale it to 2,000 deals a week and be getting paid a little bitty cut of 2,000, 3,000 deals a week, right? And so when you talk about generational wealth for real estate agents, you got to really open up your mind to what's actually available nowadays in the market, right? It's more than just selling real estate, right? You have the power with these, with these uh, platforms to be at the top, you can be Gary Keller, you can be Dave Lineker, you can be Adam Contos, you can be these heads of these companies, right? Traditionally, traditionally, real estate agents come in, they pay fees to the brokerage, mm -hmm. right? To the to the and it makes the corporation rich, and the agent gets nothing. That's the traditional model. Okay, you're just paying them for a place to hang your license, basically. Okay. You get nothing, right? Support and training. Okay. All brokerages do that. So let's just null and void that. What else? Nothing. Okay. With these platforms that are coming, coming up in the game, right? People don't understand them. So they're like, oh no, I don't want to do that. Right. But, but people are slowly understanding and it's slowly becoming mainstream that they realize that instead of just paying your brokerage for nothing, you could be paying yourself because these, these cloud-based brokerages are giving you equity in their company, right? So once you hit certain sales milestones, they're giving you, they're making you a partner. So what they said was, is the real estate agents have been out here making these corporations rich for decades, okay, with the, with getting nothing in return. Yeah. They're the ones actually building the business. Why can't we create a business model where, where they're actually part owner of the company, right? They're part owner of the company with us. They're how, they're the ones bi building it. They're the ones selling the property. They're the ones bringing in the revenue, right? Why can't they be a part owner? So that's what they did. Once you hit a certain sell milestone, which is about 30 deals every year, they give you equity, a big chunk of equity every year at whatever the price is that day. 
and that continues to grow. So now you're an equity partner at your brokerage, right? And you have the ability to expand immediately for no money and make, I mean, there's guys making seven figure a month. So like, and then you take that money and do what with it? Buy real estate, buy stocks, buy assets, buy cash flowing properties, whatever you want to do. And when you get into that game, you know, then you get into the, the depreciation game where, you know, you're writing off your, mm -hmm. uh, the depreciation of the properties. Um, you know, you get into, to having multiple partners and there's all kinds of different games you can play when it comes to real estate development. You know, you can, you can buy and hold, you can buy and buy, fix and flip. You can, you know, take the equity out and then do it again. And there's all kinds of different, you know, strategies. People swear by this, swear by that. I like to do it all. I like to buy fix and flip. I like to buy little bitty rentals. I like to buy big buildings. I like to buy commercial. You know, I like to do all of it. Right. So I don't know, man. I think um, you got to start somewhere. And yeah. I think that I think that when you take that first step, you have to realize that this is the first step in a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like here's point A, here's point B, like here's point A and point B is we're making a million dollars or we have a million dollars net worth or 2 million or whatever it is, you know, that's going to be, null. by the time you put the work in to actually get to that point, whatever money you make there is going to be null and void. You're not going to care at all about the money part of it because you work so hard. It's, it's almost like you didn't get paid enough. You know, you work so hard to do it. It's like that million dollars ain't nothing compared to what I had to do to get it. You know what I mean? And so then it becomes a game of how do I keep it? you know, and build on it. You know what I mean? So then, then that's why I have so many different businesses and streams of income coming in because I want that income's got to be at a very high level, right? Where then you've got money to throw into investments. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want the investments to sit there and, you know, be the way, be how I'm living. Mm -hmm. I want to take all the money from the businesses, all the money from anything that comes from investments, take that cash and put it into more, more assets and more businesses. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Would you mind name dropping a couple of those platforms you're talking about? So some of our listeners and even myself can look into them. The innovator of this, of the whole thing is EXP Realty. EXP Realty. Okay. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the innovator of this entire, um, of this entire business model. Then there've been, been a bunch of copycats, not a bunch, just a couple mm -hmm. that have come out. There's one called real. There's one, there's a, there's one called fathom. Um, so these cloud-based brokerages, they built infrastructure to where, you know, traditionally, if you want to be a broker or a franchisee of one of these big name, you know, brokerages, you pay a franchise fee or you start your own friend, your own office, you get an office space, you know, at that point, you're just bringing on agents locally and hoping that you break even right on the building, hoping they pay you enough money to break even on the building. And uh, and then at that point, you're liable for them. You got to worry about compliance. You have expenses. You know, you have all the problems, right? Dealing with all these agents and stuff like that. So with like an EXP, you know, you go out there, you don't have to have an office. You can have an office. You don't have to have an office, whatever. Every single agent that comes on board is the same thing as a franchisee. Like you literally every agent has their own global franchise franchise wow. where you can go out and bring agents on from anywhere, any state They go under the prospective state EXP broker. Right. But they're sponsored by you into the company and they're part of your group. Right. And then anybody they bring in, you know, they build their team, you help them build their team. That's part of your organization as well. You're getting paid on all those agents. You know, I've got 35 agents in South Africa, four in Australia, 25 in Canada, and most of them are in the U.S. Um, you can bring entire brokerages over. You know, you talk to the broker and say, hey, why, you know, right now you're liable for all your agents and you have a lot of expenses and you can only bring on agents locally, right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, wouldn't you rather team up with me and let's build your brokerage together and bring on agents from everywhere and not have any liability or expenses, right? That's the power of this thing. And we can take your 100 agents you have right now and that's going to turn into 15,000 over the next six years, Right. Um, it's it's insane. And people people just are like, it's just a sales pitch or like, you know, um, you know, I don't want to get recruited or, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like if I would have started my own brokerage, 
a year and a half ago, right? They've given me 50,000 in equity, which is worth 150. All right. There's no way I, my brokers would be worth 150,000 right now. No way. I brought on 150 agents, turned into 900, doing 50K a month. There's no way I would be making 50K a month with no expenses, no liability, no broker responsibilities with $150,000 worth of equity. No way, no how. Right. And that hundred is going to go to a hundred. That 50 is going to go to a hundred a month, 200 a month, 300 a month, a million a month, 2 million a month. Um, it's already happening, you know, with some of these other guys that have been there longer. So these it's, it's real. You know what I mean? It's real. They're a $7 billion company. Um, you know, like a Remax is worth 700 million. So they're worth 10 times more than Remax. They're doing 10 times more profit as a company. You know, Redfin loses money. Compass loses 300 million a year. You know, Zillow, I think they're back in the negative. Definitely after this last little uh, hoorah, they're just going through, right? Um, but you look at all this stuff, man, and you realize what's happening in the industry and the opportunity that's sitting right there in front of agents who are at these brokerages who are just paying fees, getting nothing in return. They could be actually gaining equity in a growing company that's adding 1,000 agents a week. Dude, they got 100 million in the bank. Right. They have no debt. They own Success Magazine, Vera Bella, the virtual world. They own Showcase IDX. They're waiting to buy more companies. They just did a deal with a, a mortgage deal. Um, they're they're the freaking dude. They're they're the Amazon in terms of like acquiring companies and building, building up uh, a valuation. They're the Amazon and Facebook of of real estate. You know what I mean? And uh, speaking of mortgages, I remember you uh, you mentioned something about a mortgage venture. Would you mind kind of discussing that with us? If, if it's available to us, I'm not sure if, if you're willing to speak. But. Basically, basically, um, you know, we've worked a deal out with one of the largest mortgage companies in the country to, um, to JV on building our own platform, right? Mm -hmm. Building our own platform where people can collaborate with each other all over the place and, um, and build their own little mortgage uh, teams, if you will. Right. Um, and so it's really probably all I can really say about it right this second, but it's going to be really massive. It's going to be really incredible for real estate agents and, um, looking to really get in there and disrupt some things, you know what I mean? And really shake it up a little bit. Ricky, this is, this is absolutely awesome. And when you said cloud-based platform, I was, I was mind blown right there because how future thinking that brokerage strategy is EXP and I've heard of it. Um, mm -hmm. but I would, I would love your advice. Um, on my situation right now, just because we're talking about the 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 future of um, brokerages and EXP and what they're doing now, you can kind of gain equity and not pay commissions to the broker. I was I'm at Keller Williams right now in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'm about to move up to Boston. And I was going to join a Keller Williams brokerage um, in Plymouth, I believe, and I was going to build out a commercial division, but work with a different brokerage while doing that. And she mm -hmm. runs her Keller Williams brokerage, but she, now she's starting to star brokerages internationally, like in Italy, um, Putacana and Dominican Republic, what would your advice be um, to possibly change that business model? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to just, I'm trying to link that connection to what you're talking about with EXP and the capabilities to bring on agents from other international countries to mm -hmm. be under your brokerage. Yeah, yeah. No, it just depends on what your goals are, yeah. you know what I mean? And kind of what can you see the actual where the industry is and where it's heading, you know, because these guys that have 15,000 agents in their organization, um, they've only recruited around 100 agents. All yeah. of them have only recruited about 100 agents and they have 15,000. You know, they've been in the company for, you know, four years, five years, six years. Um, so. You know, it just it kind of depends on what what you're trying to do with it. Right. EXP uh, has a commercial division that they opened last year, which is like really, really incredible. Like it's like it's a huge opportunity for on the commercial end because um, it's kind of an untapped market. You know what I'm saying? For EXP. Right. For for commercial guys to go out there and to build their team of commercial brokers. Yeah. Right. Throughout the country and, and even the. Uh, they're open in all 50 states as far as EXP commercial, but you know, as far as, I mean, you can sell commercial in other countries and stuff like that, but no, I mean, you, you, you would just have to understand the collaboration value proposition, mm -hmm. right. Of uh, being able to like, 
once you decide, okay, I'm going to join EXP. Now it's a matter of who you're going to join with and who you're going to align with and who, and who you feel like is going to give you the most value to help you really grow. Um, you know, and so you are who you hang around with and that's why I really love. And I think a lot of people are missing the point with EXP is the fact that you get to collaborate with whoever you want to in the world, really. Right. But more so in the country, because this is, we're domestic and we, you know, we, we know who we are right here, but you get to literally like be in business with directly rub elbows with directly um, you know, brainstorm and collaborate with directly with whoever you want to, right? Um, anybody in the organization would be glad to have you, right? Because we're trying to bring agents on and collaborate with as many agents as we can. So, um, you know, once you pick who you want to align yourself with, you know, um, somebody that can really take you to the next level. That's the thing is that locally, a lot of times locally, there's nobody that's on as high a level as you really need to stretch yourself personally to go to these heights. The people that I've met since I've joined EXP that are on my downline and upline, whoa, like they've stretched me so far, so much further just as a person and still stretching me, right? That's where a lot of this is coming from in terms of me trying to identify who I am and, and what I really want out of life mm -hmm. and what I define as success is, is from, from these guys seeing me speak and um, watching what I'm doing online and the success I've had and saying, Hey bro, listen, that, that's great and all. Okay. But we, we want more, right? There's something deeper in there and uh, we know you're capable of so much more, you know, um, that's these guys at EXP, the mortgage thing, right? Dude, we're going to close billions of dollars in loans, like billions and billions and billions. Like we have, we've already talked to brokers who are in, you know, that are doing the volume they're in. This is so, such an easy sell. Um, this came from the collaboration of people that I met through joining EXP that I would never even... I don't, I don't have the opportunity where I was to own equity in a company and to build a downline and to make, you know, millions of dollars on an organization. Right. But that don't mean anything. What means something to me is, is the collaboration to put our heads together with some of the greatest minds in the industry and mm -hmm. say, what can we do to make the industry and the world a better place? Mm -hmm. Right. How can we help agents more than we're already helping them? Right. How can we use this platform and other platforms to stretch even further, you know? So I don't know, that would be a different conversation. We would have to sit down and look at everything you're trying to do, everything you're doing now, you know, and, and see, see what direction that, you know, the platform can help you, you know what I mean? So I don't know exactly everything you're trying to do, but I would say, you know, don't hold it at an arm's length. You know, if Joe blow down the road, try to recruit you and, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want it. that dude's sleazy. So um, that must be a horrible company. I'm not even going to give it a second look and turn your nose up at it and not even open up to, whoa, this is a $7 billion company growing by a thousand agents a, a week. You know, they just, they did a dividend. They paid a dividend to all shareholders the last two quarters. Um, they got a hundred million sitting in the bank. They, the, the list goes on and on and on for how collaborative of uh, the workplace, the virtual world. See, Meta, right? <laughs> right? Meta. Oh my okay. gosh. Okay. okay. Meta. Okay. Like they changed their name to Meta, right? Because they want to go develop the metaverse. Okay. Yep. We already had our own metaverse. We we've been operating as a company in there in our own metaverse. We own the company. It's called Virabella. We own the company, right? EXP owns the company. And so I own the company because I own EXP because they made me a partner. Like they own that platform where we go in and I can go into Virabella. Um, I can log into the EXP world and I can sit down with, with a broker in any state. I can sit down with an EXP broker in any state within a matter of minutes and talk to them about whatever my problems are. I can collaborate. There's, it's a whole different ball game, man. Like the whole, the whole setup is like, 
it take it takes people it would take you if you if you got serious about opening up to what it is mm. you know it would take you six months to actually figure out all the wow factors happening behind the scenes like how they make the transaction uh so much easier like to get paid i used to have to go to a closing pick up the closing documents and check upload the documents to the cloud, give the check to Remax, them cut me a check and me drive it to the bank. Okay. Now I just show up to the closing, smile and wave. EXP already talked to the title company, has everything straight. Title company overnights everything to EXP. EXP just direct deposits my account. I don't touch anything. Money just magically appears in my account. That's just one little thing, right? They're doing as much as they can do to make our lives easier and, and to allow us to expand. You know what I mean? It's, there's no other company like it. I love that they're just challenging the industry and the way that it works and changing everything around. But one thing I want to hear from you since we have you is what does it take to do 100 transactions a year consistently for several years in a row? Work your ass off. Yeah. <laughs> As some people, they're going to they're going to work their ass off and they're not going to do 100 deals. So what's different between I just think that they don't hard? they don't have systems in place. Right. They don't understand quantity. OK, they're giving too much quality to too few agents. And it's never about quantity. If you want a really large business, at some point, it has to be about volume. Right. You can't just take really good care of a few clients and just chalk that chalk and chalk your whole business up to. I'm just really taking care of these clients. You know, I didn't have time to make calls. I didn't have time to try to grow my business or do any kind of, you know, one on one marketing or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I, I had to show property all day. No, you didn't. You show property till one and then you just kind of mess around with whatever for the rest of the day. You could have been pounding away. See, at some point, it's got to be about quantity. You need thousands and thousands of people. Everything between an agent and 100 deals a year, whatever their goals are, are just one on, thousands of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in their market. It's really that simple. The, the ABCs and real estate one-on-one -on -one is, is really simple stuff. It's just one-on-one -on -one conversations with people in your market to see what you can do to help them, right? And if not now, you'd love to help them later, collect their data, have a personal branding system in place to, stay, to to make sure they never forget who you are, right? And if you gave that great first impression and they really liked who you are and liked how you carried yourself, they're going to call you when the time comes. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But your job is to put yourself in as many of those possible situations as you can, right? And you're going to get some of them and some of them you're not. Everybody has a different mental capacity, Right. Everybody has a different mental capacity that of, of the amount of deals that they can handle. OK, like like, you know, like you can handle, you know, let's just say, for example, like, you know, 15 pending deals and, you know, you know, 22 active listings at one time. OK, the next person may only be able to handle four pending deals and eight listings at one time. And anything above that just freaks them out and they just can't handle it. It's just too much stuff. So everybody has a different mental capacity right uh, they have a different size cup and what you have to do is figure out what how big your cup is how much can you handle at one time okay because the market 100 percent of the time always produces enough business for you to keep your cup full okay that's the cool thing about real estate right it's the jackpot of all careers because it produces an unlimited amount of business no matter what the market's doing when the market shifts it shifts in a manner that prices change to, to keep transactions going. We get paid on commissions. It doesn't matter what the price is. Okay. We get paid on commissions when transactions close. So the market organically and naturally moves so that transactions continue to happen. If the market really crashes hard, prices go way down, right? So that it goes down to a price that people are willing to buy supply and demand. Mm. So that's what's so cool about being a real estate agent is that it just never ends no matter what the market does. And so many agents, they tie their business to the market when really it's two completely separate entities. The market's wow. over here. It should be paid attention to. Mm. Okay. But it should be kept as far away from the success of your business as possible. Like that the market has nothing to do with your success as a real estate agent, right? Cause closings happen every single day, no matter what the market does and will happen forever. 
right? Regardless of what happens in the market. I mean, look at dot-com crash, 9-11, 2008, the pandemic, all those scary moments had massive amounts of closings happening every single day through the whole thing. Right. And even if the tra even if transactions go down 50, 60 percent, that 40 or 50 percent that's left is still way more than you could ever handle. Right. So no matter what the market does, it always will produce enough deals for you to keep your cup full. Right. Um, so what you have to do is just kind of start to realize all this, because a lot of people don't realize they think the market is tied to a real estate agent's success. If the market's doing bad, the real estate agent's doing bad. It's just so far from the truth. But because so many people believe that, um, real estate agents believe it, right? And so real estate agents, you know, when the market's bad, then they just kind of go down with the market. They quit trying to do stuff. They quit trying to build a business. They don't realize that it's actually a huge opportunity. When the market crashes, a lot of agents go away and it really opens up market share for mm -hmm. the agents who are still there. Right. And, and it's, it's just a massive, massive opportunity to gobble up market share for when the market rebounds. It's like you really blow up. You know, and that's what happened to me in 2008 when I got back in. That was in the middle of the crash. And then, um, you know, I really kind of hit it hard between 2008. By 2012, it was like things were coming back. And by 2014, I was the number one Remax agent in Alabama, closing 100 deals a year. It was literally because of the work I did during the crash of 2008. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, um, you know, understanding these philosophies from when I lost everything and had to kind of start over. But yeah, it's, uh, you need to, you need to make calls, right? Because every day you need to wake up and you need to think, how can I chip away at these thousands of one-on-one -on -one conversations that need to be had? And you know we'd love I mean? to dive that, um, dive into that a little bit, Ricky, and kind of, um, if you would kind of give a, um, um, not a step-by-step -step process, but kind of a flow of your mornings and the personal development, um, I won't say strategies, but what you're working on right now to grow yourself and, and grow your um, personal development and kind of how that ties into your business as well. You mean like a morning routine to try to, yeah, you know, routine. yeah, uh, well, like in that a while. yeah, I mean like, <sighs> Um, for me, it's real simple. I get up at five now and, um, I'm always moving my routine around and stuff. Um, but I'm at the, I go to the gym for a couple hours. Um, and that's really my morning routine. Cause I come back and then it's like time to, you know, my daughter wakes up and then it's time to kind of spend a little time with her before I actually get to work, work, you know, and then I sit down and I organize my business. I, I say organize. I mean, like, like here's my notes today. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. real organized, but like I sit down and try to focus on what's important and projects I'm working on and prospects that I need to follow up with and what my schedule is going to be for the day. And then everything's right there on a piece of paper where I'm able to just execute. You know what I mean? I don't have to think I'm just executing, you know? So I don't, you know, I used to do a lot of podcast listening to's and reading and uh, stuff like that. But honestly, I go through phases with that, you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I'm going through a phase right now where I'm really trying to clear my mind. You know, I'm really trying to do a reset where yeah. I can actually, I'm trying to think about everything going on instead of just jamming stuff in my mind, you know, and just, and just, you know, listening to, to people on podcasts and music and stuff like that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to really think things through. So I think everybody has to go through those cycles, you know, like your personal development cycle where you're actually like, absorbing a lot of podcasts and different things. And then, you know, you, you need to take some time where you're not really listening to anything to kind of think through all that stuff and see mm -hmm. what you can do to execute upon it. A lot of people listen to podcasts and, and go to seminars and read books and all this and never do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Unless you actually take what you're learning and sit down and really, you know, think about it and dissect it for a second and figure out, okay, what that was great. Now, how can I use that, you know, in my life? How can I use that in my business? And how, what can I do to execute on that great idea that I thought was really, really incredible? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't take that time to sit down and think about how they're going to execute on what they learned because they're just in a constant state of learning. You know, like there's guys that like read book after book after book and they call me and they're like, 
well, I can't get any business and what do I do here and what do I do there. And they'll send me pictures of books they're reading. And I'm like, quit reading books, mm -hmm. you know, just don't read books for like two months and just, you know, everything you need to do to execute. Look at all the stuff you read. Like, if you don't know what you need to do now, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you're like a genius, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's like they hide behind the personal development curtain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So be careful with hiding behind that personal development curtain and un like, like take the curtain back and, 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 and take it all the way down to, to the bare bottom and say, okay, now how do I execute on this? Cause that's all that's going to matter is if you execute. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, I definitely go through those phases as well. And I also want to see, you know, this kind of touches on on self-development, but really just, uh, I guess I wanted to ask you, how do you manage your like work-life balance? Because when you're dealing with the amount of <clears throat> like volume and content and deals that you're doing, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? The first part of that, bro, is that you have to, you have to understand that, most people, the reason why they don't succeed at the level they want to is because they worry too much about everything, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're worrying about if this deal is going to go through or if this client's going to be happy or um, whatever. I don't know. Repair inspection addendums or if somebody's going to be mad at them or if people are going to like them or if they're posted. People will just worry, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the first part of like mastering the work-life balance part is knowing what to worry about, what not to worry about, right? And knowing when to worry and when when you can shut it down. Um, I knock off at five o'clock every day and uh, on the weekends, right? Um, so tomorrow I'll, I'll work all morning. I got some appointments, but most weekends I'm off unless I have some kind of appointment. And then at five o'clock, I try to shut completely down all the way. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, it'll be there tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, you know, sitting around worrying about it isn't really going to do any good. So, so if you're with your family right after hours, but you're constantly thinking about work yeah. and what about this deal and stuff like that, then you're not really present. Mm. And, and that's not, your family's going to resent you little by little. You're going to resent yourself. And that's just digging yourself into this really deep, dark hole. That's not going to end well. You know, I mean, why are we doing this? We're doing this to live a great life. We're doing this to to be able to spend quality time with the family. You know, that's why we got into real estate, you know, was to enjoy life. And here we are worried and, and all these negative things that we're dealing with and thinking about. You got to get really good at compartmentalizing those those negative emotions and worries and putting them in a box and throwing them away. Um you know, uh, unless needed. So like, that's part of the mastery, you know, of this business and what drives a lot of people out of the business, to be honest with you, you know what I mean? But that's the first part of it is, is getting past that worry stage. We're just worried about every little thing and realizing, listen, that deal is done. You know, like history is going to, the future is going to play out the way it's going to play out, mm -hmm. you know, whether you worry about it or not, you know, um, and I think that's the biggest part of work-life balance because it's not like you're not like there with your family. It's that mentally you're worried about all the stuff from work. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it, it's it's tough, man. It's one of those mind over matter things, you know, one of those woo-saw like, you know, meditation slash yoga situations where you, you got to really, you know, you got to you got to self-reflect and really, you know, say, OK, what's important in my life? What makes me happy? You know, um, these deals are going to, going to, going to work themselves out. So that's the biggest thing for me, man, is, is, and I battle with it too. You know, everybody does. It's just what level do you battle with it at? Yeah. And I just really wanted to ask you that because I, you know, especially with a lot of people that are in this business, they're just so passionate about it and you work so yeah. much and you, you know, you can really lose sight of the things like what you're saying that are the most important to you. And I, I really liked you, what you said about that. Was, uh, like kind of setting those boundaries and clocking off at five. And exactly, like man. You know, it's not like I don't answer a text on a negotiation, you know, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But, you know, people like checking their phone, like just to check emails just for just because and, you mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. Like, 
you've got to set some boundaries with yourself so that you can like relax for a second. And here's mm -hmm. the flip side. When you do work till nine o'clock or you are worried till you go to sleep and you go to sleep worried about different things, you wake up and your brain is fried. Mm -hmm. And now you're not you're not on your A game. Yeah. Right. And it slowly eats at you. It slowly eats at you when you're able to actually turn off and recharge properly every day. You wake up every day uh, uh, ready to roll. You know, you're ready to go. You're on fire. You know, I think of it as like um, getting into vacation mode, right? Like at five o'clock, you should you should get into that same mode that you're in when you're on vacation down in the Bahamas or something where you're like not work. You're like, oh, I'm really going to just not worry for a second. That's the way you need to get because, you know, when you go on a vacation, and you come back on a 10 day vacation, how fired up you are when you get back. Mm -hmm. Right. You want to try to emulate that every day. Yeah. Right. I call it vacation mode. If, if you can get into vacation mode in the evening time. Okay, to where to where when you wake up the next day, you can't emulate that same feeling as a 10 day vacation. But if you can somewhat emulate it right to the mat, to the point where you're excited and you're fired up and your energy is high, you know, but if you're sitting around worried all night and, or work, a lot of people work till like nine or 10 in this business. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is absolutely the wrong, because here's the thing, too. If you gave yourself till five o'clock and said, I'm going to stop at five. You're going to figure your body, your mind will figure out a way to get everything that used to take you to 10 o'clock to do. You will figure out a way to get it done by five. Right. That's the thing. There's a law about this. Henry Ford did it. He gave his uh, uh, his workers in his factory um, 60 hours to complete uh, to complete certain tasks. OK, did that for several weeks. Then he came back and he said, I'm going to give you 40 hours to do the same thing. They figured out how to do the same production in 40 hours. Right. We naturally um, will figure out a way to compress what we're doing to get the same output in, in the little bit of time. If we're telling ourselves you're going to be done at five o'clock, so you better get done whatever you're going to get done, because after that it's done. Right. But if you give yourself till 10 o'clock to do it, then you're like, oh, I got till 10 o'clock. You know, I'm just going to kind of, you know, I'm going to yeah. go. I'm going to pace myself, you know, instead of getting it all done. You know, you got till 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I think that's an important thing to note as well. Yeah, that's just that's that's some great life lessons right there for a lot of people that can probably relate to that in this business. One one thing from my experience, and it, I'm sure it's a little different because I do a lot of property management, is that other people want to make their problems your problem, no matter what time of day it is. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm sure, like just with the volume of people you deal with, that's something that you run into as well. Like, how do you? How do you deal with that kind of stress when you're on vacation mode? Like it, it's 7 p.m. I'm at home and people want to make their problems my problem. Hmm. What does that look like? Well, chances are I'm not going to see whatever the message is until the morning <laughs> time. Number one. Right. Yeah. I'm not even. That's what I try to do. And then they yell at me the next day. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I mean, if they're going to yell at me the next day, that gives me permission to yell at them the next day. Like you're going to yell at me and like, I'm at home with my daughter or, or whatever, you know, it's seven o'clock at night, bro. You know what I'm saying? Now, now, now what's the problem? Oh, that's what you're, you're yelling at me about. And you, you messaged me at seven o'clock last night for something that can be handled right now. Boom. I just took care of it. Now what, what do you got now? You got anything else you want to yell at me about, you know, go back to your room, you know, <laughs> make your bed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like when people get upset with you, bro, then, you know, don't, don't let that phase you. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, that's on them. That's something that they, that's a problem they have going on. And when they realize that you're not going to respond at seven o'clock, they'll quit, they'll quit messaging you at seven o'clock, you know? You know, that's a, that's the next thing, you know, like if, if you're going to respond at seven, then they're going to they're going to think, oh, well, I can keep messing with him at seven. But when you don't respond and then you and then you call the next morning, and say, hey, I got your message last night. Let me take care of that for you. Boom. Right. They're going to kind of know that, oh, I can message him at seven. And he'll just take care of it the next day or I'll just wait till the next day to message him because I know he's not going to look at it or do anything till the next day. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I had, you know, I had a a tenant yeah. called me one morning and she's like, do you ever answer your phone? And I was like, mm. when did you call me? She's like, I called you three times last night at eight o'clock. I'm like, yeah, no, no. I was out to dinner with my fiance. I, yeah. And, and it was like, I don't know. I, I always tell people that I get calls about, uh, 
uh, my air filters on the ceiling and I can't reach it. I don't know what size it is. I need you to come out and tell me. Well, you know, listen, with tenants, right? With tenants, mm -hmm. number one, it's a good thing for them not to have your personal phone number, right? I got uh, two phones. I got you. I got yeah. you. And, um, but, uh, I mean, it's still a phone that's on you, so that's a personal number, right? Mm -hmm. But number two, it's like, um, you know, that should almost be in the lease agreement. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a problem, you know, that, uh, that, you know, you can call me during, you know, you can make calls during business hours unless it's an emergency. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but Hey, that gets into a whole new ball game though, too. Right. When you're talking about managing your own properties versus having a property manager and it doesn't make sense to have a property manager if you have one property or two properties or three properties, right. Uh, it really won't make sense to have a property manager manager in place until you have massive amount of properties because you're paying them so much but you know that that's a whole nother conversation you know to get mm -hmm. into all that stuff you know yeah. a lot of times if you're the landlord and you're the one answering the calls for the maintenance and you know i mean honestly if if there's like this massive leak in the ceiling that's probably something you need to <laughs> I mean, it's your property you don't want it to to go to hell you mm -hmm. know so if the if the hot water heater springs a leak you know or something like that you know then that could that's something you probably have to get on top of right then, even if it is eight o'clock at night, you know what I yeah. mean? So that's a whole different category of problems there. Yeah. If I get a voicemail, I'll check it. But if you call me, if, if a number that's not saved in my phone calls me and doesn't leave a voicemail or anything, I'm never going to call them back. Well, I'm the same way. And the reason being is that I don't have time to call a number back. Like I have too many people that actually call and leave me a message on top of the people that I need to call anyway. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it turns into a time thing for me. I don't have, I, there's no way I have time to call back a number that didn't leave a message. Yep. You know? Well, uh, Ricky, you have dropped so many golden nugget, uh, nuggets in this uh, podcast and I can't wait for our listeners to hear your content because it's, absolutely amazing. And just kind of wrapping everything up um, and kind of drifting into the advice section right here where, you know, you've been giving advice throughout this whole podcast, but just asking you a few questions. Um, what's the greatest lesson that you've learned in the last 12 months? Greatest lesson in the last 12 months. Mm -hmm. Greatest lesson in the last 12 months. Hmm. <clears throat> hmm. I should put these questions in the email moving forward. I just thought of that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Because then you get real reactions though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If people don't know what the questions are going to be. Then you actually get real reactions, but I don't know, man, that, that, that is a tough one. Say it again. I want to hear the words again. What's the greatest lesson that you have learned in the last 12 months? Mm, the greatest I don't know, man, to be honest with you. That's a really good question. I'm actually going to think about that one for a while. Awesome. But um, if I had to say something right now, yeah. I think it would be something along the lines of the fact that if you want to do really, really, really incredible things, like I, I'll tell you what, I guess, I guess here's one. You know, um, for so long, I've been kind of a one-man army, right? single agent, you know, free coach, you know, putting out all the content, doing all this and that. And I think one thing that I've learned here over the past, over the past 12 months is that if you really want to do incredible things in this world, you can't do it alone. You have to align with great people. You have to have great people around you. Um, you have to be around people with higher energy that are doing bigger things so that you can rise up to their level, but more so partners, hmm. you know, like uh, we started an ISA company. We call call for agents and set listing appointments, right? We're calling like right now we're calling for about 200 agents and we have about 30 or 40 that, that join our, our program every week. Um, you know, we have like 45 employees and uh, and I'm the CEO of that company and uh, the partners that I have in that company are just so incredible. 
Um, they're just incredible people, hard workers, honest, want the best, doing it to help people. Um, it's just amazing to be around people that are like me, um, you know, and to find those people, um, you know, and so, you know, when you align with people that are like yourself, that want the best and, and trying to do good things for the world, you know, you, you, you lock into them, you know what I mean? And you, and you ride the ride with them, the guys at EXP that I'm doing the mortgage venture with, mm -hmm. man, I can't say enough about these guys and what they've done for me personally and the businesses we're going to grow together. It's just, it's mind blowing. Right. But I couldn't have done it without other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I could tell you a whole list of people that, um, that I could give thanks to, you know, that have helped me grow over the last year. Um, you know, as far as just workhorses in my business and mentors, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And there's no way I could be where I am without, you know, other people. And moving forward, I realized this, that it's going to take an army to do the things that I want to do, you know, and, and I'm willing to let go of a lot of the things I do now to delegate those things, to open myself up to where I can collaborate with people more and, and to go bigger. You know what I mean? So I think, it, I think the punchline is if you want to do really, really incredible things in this world, yes, maybe you start out on your own. Okay. And maybe you put that work ethic in place and you put those systems in place and you build that business. Right. But at the end of the day, if you want to do something really incredible for the world, it's going to take, you can't do it alone. Yeah. Man, that was powerful. Um, Ricky, we've, we've, uh, me, Tim and Ian have um, really had this, uh, energy kind of growing up when I co-founded the club, um, with two other buddies. Um, two years ago and Ian and Tim joined really early on and uh, we've experienced that growing this club and up to 100 members and really uh, making an impact with this podcast and having amazing people on you to to give advice like that I mean it just really touched my heart and I hope it uh, did with Ian's and Tim's as well and I know a lot of listeners um, kind of opened their mind up to being you know being more open to that to that way of thinking instead of thinking they can, they have to do everything by themselves when they have big ideas and big visions. Um, I can be conquered with the team better than a lone soldier. So that was amazing. Yeah, no, it, it's, uh, um, you know, they, um, you just, you, you, you know, like I say, you, you may build your business and start out on your own, but this is a journey of personal development all the way. You know, like there's a lot of guys like me that would be like, I'd retire. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd retire, be done. But here I am basically fixing to start over, you know what I mean? And saying, okay, I want to, I want to basically start over in this leadership role. You know, I've conquered all these other things and I'm going to start in this leadership role and be a dominant force here and start at the bottom of the leadership role in the industry and work my way up another incredible mountain, you know, another steep, crazy, you know, wild mountain you know that's going to be a crazy ride to the top but i'm just not done yet you know yeah. what i mean yeah cool absolutely um something kind of just out of the blue right here ricky what do you love to do with your family i know you said you have a wife and a daughter we were talking about her before she got attacked by we like to ends, travel but... man we uh we uh my daughter just turned two and before awesome. she was two before she was two she's been to disney salt lake connecticut and uh vegas Right. And she hadn't even, she wasn't even two yet. <laughs> um, you know, so, um, we love to travel. We're going to go to Puerto Rico for a week or so. Very exciting next month. And, um, we're going to Denver to do skiing and stuff with the group in January. Um, we're going to go to LA for a couple weeks in May. Um, so we like to get out and travel and just see other places and, you know, um, see see whitley's face when yeah. she when she sees new stuff it's really cool Absolutely, <laughs> i love to travel <laughs> it's awesome ricky and what what would be what's a book that you gift or recommend the most i know we had a little discussion there in the podcast that you wouldn't recommend reading a bunch of personal development books when you're not no i would i would i would i actually would recommend reading yeah. about, like i read 100 books yeah. Like I would recommend reading tons of books, especially if you're thirsty for that knowledge. You know, Absolutely. I'm just saying, I'm just saying at some point you got to realize, okay, I got to sit back and I got to understand how to execute 
on what I've learned, not just mm -hmm. read forever and mm -hmm. never take any action. Yeah. But my favorite book is a slight edge by Jeff Olson. Ooh. Yeah. That was my favorite one. That's the only one I read twice. Thank you for that. I've, I've never heard about that before. The slight edge. Oh, it, it's good. Awesome. Well, awesome. Uh, guys, you have anything else? Ricky? Well, I, I just thought of an analogy that I have to share. Uh, you're talking about, you know, sometimes your brain just gets so full and they say that your brain is a sponge. But at a certain point, once it's soaked up enough, you got to scrub the dishes and get some stuff done. <laughs> and then you and then you can soak it up again. I just thought of there that you go, while you bro. were talking. There you go. Ooh, had damn. to share it with the world. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need the drop in bombs button like Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Ricky, thank you so much for your time today um, going into the weekend. And I hope you have a great Thanksgiving and a great holidays with your family. And thank you again. No, enjoy the chat, guys. Um, looking forward to uh, continuing the conversation. You guys stay in touch with me. Let me know what I could do to help you. Absolutely. Yeah, likewise. Thank yep. you to everybody that tuned in. Tim Stone, Nick Galbraith, and Ian Cushion signing off.